Welcome back to Podcast 13, or if you listened to last week's podcast, this is really part two of episode 12 with Jason Rose from McGuire's. Now, Jason Rose is the global technical services and training manager, and last week we talked about a ton of different things, and there was so much information that we went over that I had to split it into two podcasts, and uh, he is wildly intelligent about the detailing industry. In fact, I became so enamored with all the uh, questions and things, and we just went down all these random paths that I sort of went off track in terms of what I uh, had structured for our normal podcast because he's just so knowledgeable, and I just I, I forgot that I was hosting a podcast. I just wanted to ask him more questions and, and hit him with different scenarios and see what how his mind wrapped around uh, the different things that us as detailers go through. So uh, it was really interesting. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to patch in last week's episode uh, and uh, we're going to talk specifically really in depth. Uh, you got to think about um, the, the way his perspective, um, you know, thinks about just for 20 years and he's been to, you know, Europe and Asia and all these other different markets and specifically talking about the coatings. Uh, it was, uh, it's eye opening for me at least. And uh, I'm really uh, privileged to have him on the show. So again, big thanks to Jason Rose. Uh, without further ado, let me just cut it right here, and we'll patch in from last week. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, sort of changing gears here on you. What what is the? I know you've you've been around the world multiple times, and and you know McGuire's uh, does some amazing things. So tell me a little bit more about the coding. It's been like this massive revolution here in the U.S., and it's sort of yeah. sort of new, but sort of not. And everybody, it, talk talk to me about coatings and what you're feeling in, in McGuire's position. Sure. Um, well. Um, just to set this up, there's three, three uh, basic <clears throat> types of protection. When you think about protection on on the paint, there's three basic types. Um, there is carnauba, you know, carnauba-based waxes, um, and these are like a natural approach to protection on a car. Organic, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then there's the polymer sealants, uh, which is a synthetic approach. Um, and there's, you know, variations of both of those and actually blends of both of those. Uh, and then this third type is um, coatings. And uh, coatings are very different than waxes and sealants. And um, it's it's become and becoming a big business in the U.S., but it's already a very mature business in Asia. Uh, the coatings business on cars has been around for many, many years in Asia uh, and even in Europe, um, and it's what I would describe as a mature business in Asia, and I would describe it in the U.S. as an as a, a business that's in its infancy; it's just beginning. Um, and it, it's it's interesting how to see you know a mature business compared to one that's just starting, and uh, things are really really crazy around this whole coding business and. Um, when, if you think about a business that's mature and there's lots of competitive products and brands, uh, what do you, you know, what do you imagine marketing uh, and and uh, companies that try and sell their product in that kind of environment where there's many many options for a coating, uh, both consumer applied as well as professionally applied. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to throw your product in that environment, you know, what are the things that happen well one of the things that happens is you try and throw out shocking claims that get people's attention uh, because you're you're one of you know a hundred coatings being offered out there and you want people to buy your product so these companies come up with these just absolutely crazy claims and i'm not going to call out specifics but you just got to know that in in asia if you go to buy a coding service from a detailer, uh, you're going to be exposed to a plethora of many options to choose from, and it'll make your head dizzy mm -hmm. trying to figure out which one you which one's good, which one do you want, um, and then you're going to hear stuff like uh, it's it's a permanent coating that'll you know last beyond the life of your car. Um, you can drive your car into the sun and it won't mm -hmm. melt. And I mean, <laughs> shoot laser beams. That's my favorite, favorite one. I said, yeah, you can throw rocks at it and shoot laser beams. And it, it's actually, yeah. it actually comes from the moon and a special rock and somebody flies up there and you're like, come on guys. Like, yeah, let's get a little realistic here. 
Yeah, and in fact, a lot of them are described as glass coatings. Uh, in Asia, that seems to be a term that's very popular, glass coating. But, you know, so the, it's a total marketing fluff because the reality of glass, if you look at the raw material glass, um, which comes from sand, uh, it's a great uh, theory and a great concept. Ooh, I got this, you know, uh, sheet of glass over my car, you know. Um, and that's the mental image that people come up with. But the marketing you, scheme is what it's it is. It's totally marketing because it's a spin on words. And to actually apply glass to a, a paint coating or paint finish on a car would require temperatures that would exceed the limitations of of the substrate of the car. I mean, it would temperatures to apply glass on a car would not only melt the paint but some of the substrates we have on cars so it's a kind of a ridiculous thing but that's just one example and i've heard things like oh put this on your car and you never have to wash your car again that drives me bananas when i yeah. hear that it's it's so far from the truth and i feel like it's Back in the days in you know their early 1900s when the guy stood on the soapbox and sold the the blue thing in the glass saying, you drink it, you'll live forever. You know what I mean? It was kind of like one of those yeah. uh, you know, snake oil kind of things. But there are positive things to coatings. It's just I think your point you're making is uh, you, know, you, you can't believe all the, the exact claims that they're making, but there is positive sides to it, correct? Yeah, and uh, a co coating can be a very good thing under certain – conditions and and uh i don't think a coating's for everybody um but there are some situations where i think it's a very positive thing uh for example in asia there are uh cities in asia where uh it's a fact not anybody's opinion but it's a fact that the environmental conditions are the most harsh on car surfaces than anywhere else in the world um, so if you imagine your car is in a very harsh environmental situation, then you want to build up as much protection on your surfaces of your car as possible. Um, just to, and, and the main function of a coating is to provide a sacrificial barrier. And, and that's a, it's a technical term, actually, when you describe coatings. It's a sacrificial barrier. And ba mainly what it means is you're, you're putting that coating over your paint surface so that all the impact of the environment is now on the coating and it's wearing and biting and cutting against your coating instead of your paint. So the whole idea that the coating's permanent and it will last forever is a joke. It's not, there's no reality I, to that. I try to make the analogy with some of my customers when they ask or some, you know, the fans of the show or emails and I say, hey, ClearBra, right? ClearBra, and I don't know if you watch one of the, the Drive Clean videos, but we try to stick a key through it, and it, you could see how strong a ClearBra is. But ClearBra is designed to not last forever. One, because yes. the, they go out of business. But two, it's supposed to absorb the impact and take all the hits and all that, and then you, in theory, remove it and then put another one on there. And if, right. in my mind, I'm trying to compare two of them, and I say, if something that is literally meaning I can see the thickness, the depth of the clear bra, like you can hold it to the side and, and see it. It's thick. If that is thicker and stronger and that is supposed to be replaced, I think it'd be a little bit weird or goofy to say that you put a coating on and it's going to last forever. My brain says, Larry, something's not right there. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, you know, the other thing that is really important to to keep in mind, especially the detailers that want to get in this business of coatings. Um, it's very, very important to make the connection and to connect the dots between what service you're delivering and what is the perceived value of, of the customer. So what in the mind of your customer are they asking for and what are they getting? And, and let me tell you the specifics as it relates to coatings. Now, coating is a protection for uh, surfaces on your car, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to define what we mean by protection because in Asia, in a very mature market where there's hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of different products and coatings, now they've become specialized and protection means different things to different people. So protection to one person could mean I have scratch resistance, right? 
-hmm. Protection to another person could mean I have high gloss. I have I have durable high gloss on my car. That means my car is protected. Or um, water beading. I see crazy water beads on my car, so therefore I have protection on my car. Um, another one is uh, UV UV protection. So I have this coating on my car that is preventing my clear coat from, you know, fading and turning yellow. So therefore I have protection. Uh, or I have chemical resistance. You know, so my, my car resists things like, you know, gasoline or battery acid or uh, acid rain or um, other kinds of chemicals that might get exposed to cars, um, rail dust, fallout. So if if I have a resistance against those things, then therefore my car is protected. So you see what I mean? There's mm -hmm. there's different uh, definitions and different uh, ways to realize protection. Um, and the reason, so Meguiar's has a coating. We have one we launched in Asia and we, we launched it in Europe. Um, and it's very successful for us. And we could do the same in North America, but we've, we've currently decided right now we're not launching a coating yet. And one of the reasons is we're the U.S. consumer. We are trying to get our arms around what do they really want when they say I'm buying up to an expensive protection coating. What is it they really want? And um, it all it all hovers around this whole thing about water beating. So and and hopefully we don't get into like a three hour conversation about this because we very well could and it it happens a lot. But water beating is one of those things that most people attach to a measure of protection, right? It's super common and it, it also drives me crazy. But yeah, that's super common. They they put a hose on the, the the side of the paint and watch the water come off kind of thing. That, yeah. That's so, yeah. I mean, water beading uh, and, and Meguiar's as well as other brands of products, um, they, we have products that will create that condition on a paint surface, crazy water beading, like just water beads dancing on the paint. Mm -hmm. um, and from a chemistry perspective, it's not very difficult to do. I mean, we, you can, it's a hydrophobic product, basically. Yeah. It's, it's and it's not, all about, yeah. you know, managing surface tension. And there's chemistry you can, you know, spray on a car and immediately change the surface tension and immediately produce, you know, crazy water beating and have it be durable over a long period of time. So if that's the case, that water beating equals protection, uh, that can be achieved without a coating. So this is where we get into this circle of reasoning and we're kind of spinning in our wheels trying, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what, what does it mean to have a coating? What does it mean to have protection? And because the, here's the thing, the, the whole, not the whole, but most consumers when it comes to car care, they really walk around in their head believing that water beating means protection. And, you know, you and I are detailers and, if we asked ourselves, do we really want a condition on a car where it holds water in place? Mm. I mean, do you want to get a car wet, either from rain or from a hose or whatever? And do you want that car to hold water in place? I would say no. We want no, the would, water off agree. the car. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So to us, from a practical mm. standpoint, water beating is is not a good positive condition for us it it means that if you had water beating and it was allowed to naturally evaporate uh, there is a very good likelihood and chance that you're going to have what water spots water because spots. of the because of the if you think if you want to go even nerdier the the beads form that optical almost like a magnifying glass because of the convex uh nature of the actual bead so when in theory if you really get that crazy beads and the sun hits it you're actually forming a little bit of a, uh, you know, magnifier. A, a, a magnifier or a prism yeah. or whatever to, yeah. to to drill into the, especially if you have minerals and whatnot. I mean, we can get super crazy uh, 
about that, but I get, I get your point. Yeah. This is, so, I'm actually writing this down and then I'm realizing, Hey, we're on a podcast. It's recorded. I'm writing down what you're saying. <laughs> it's on a podcast. That's how I have been quiet, but I'm just like writing down, like I'm just learning anyways, keep going. Sorry. In the chance or in the case of uh, natural rain or, or, um, garden hose kind of water on a car, if you allow that to dry, there are two particular minerals that are very bad on car surfaces and that's calcium and magnesium. And that, that's what actually forms that white ring. Uh, when the water evaporates, the minerals left behind, and that's that white ring, and it becomes super concentrated mineral that then uh, bites into your paint. So, I mean, it's a long way around this reasoning, but the main point I'm making here is, okay, so we're enamored with water beating. We just, ooh, look at that show on my paint, water beating, dancing, dancing water beads on my car. But the reality is that water beating works against car care. Water beating is not the best condition to have long-term for your car. What you actually want is water sheeting. You want another uh, form of hydrophobic or hydrophobicity, um, which is water sheeting. So it's, it's, an, it's another uh, surface tension condition where... When water hits the paint, it immediately rolls off the paint. It doesn't stay in suspension. It doesn't become a water bead. It actually clumps with other water and drops off the car. Now, that is, for a detailer, a better situation. If, if all the cars in the world driving around had a surface tension condition that was water sheeting, in general, across the board, we would have less water spots. No doubt about it. Yeah. So, but what are most of these coatings producing? They're water produce water beating. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so, you're bending my mind right now. This is great. <laughs> so it's kind of a if you if you dive into the details about you know what does protection mean and what is a coating delivering, um, what is the uh, perception of value to the c customer, um, you kind of spin your head in circles on well. We're delivering coatings that is creating a condition that works against detailers, but it happens to be the condition that consumers perceive that they want. So you have a choice. You can give them what they want, which is what most mm -hmm. coatings do. Or we go through this whole drawn out process of educating consumers um, about water beating. And so, I mean, it's just, that's where we're at. Uh, the, the other thing I want to say about coatings, and this is very, very important for detailers, because I see a lot of detailers right now getting into trouble. Um, and I just, I, I genuinely want to help them through this because they're, you know, they're, they're either confusing themselves or they're frustrating their customers. So water beating is a surface tension condition, and you definitely get it from a coating, you know, that's designed to do that. Um, but here's the reality of surface tension. Uh, we have car care products. Uh, I mean, I say we, not McGuire's, but we as an industry. Industry, yep. Yeah. So there's there's waxes and spray detailers and uh, sealants and coatings and um, car wash soap and all that. All those products, when you apply them to a car, they will modify the surface tension on the car. Uh, some of them will add water beating properties and someone will take away water beating properties. So what a lot of detailers don't know, even the ones that are in the business of applying coatings, is yes, your coating will add crazy water beating properties, you know, if that's what the coating is supposed to do. Um, and, and it will deliver that. But if you take a... Uh, let's say a silicone spray detailer that's non-polymer uh, type because, you know, spray detailers can either be silicone or a polymer type. Mm -hmm. So let's say you put the coating on, you've demonstrated crazy water beating, and then as a final wipe down, before you deliver it to your customer, you use your silicone spray detailer. You have just reduced your water beating properties. Because when it comes to water beating, um, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And it's about the last product that hit the car. 
So even though the coating had delivered crazy water beating properties, the last thing you did on the car was a silicone spray detailer. I'm not bagging on spray detailers. I think they're a great and very important product. But you just got to know you just changed the surface tension on the car. Uh, and the same will happen if you wash the car with a high pH uh, solution of car wash soap or uh, like some people wash a car with, you know, dishwashing liquid. Mm-hmm. That will change the surface tension on the car. So if you had water beating before, you won't have any after that. So is the coating ruined? No. Um, what you need to do is, you know, take off that um, silicone spray detailer that you used, and then your water beating comes back. So it's kind of like you really got to understand the chemistry and what you're putting on the car and the changes you're putting the, the uh, surface through. Uh, so what a lot of detailers do is they get themselves in trouble and they actually, especially if you're trying out different coatings, uh, imagine this scenario, Larry, you, you're evaluating, let's say, two or three different brands of paint coatings and you tried them on two or three different cars and you sent the customers on their way. You got the car back in a month and one car has no water beating. The other car has crazy water beating. So you just made a conclusion that one coating was better than the other, right? True. Yes, exactly. I, I see where you keep going. I see where you're taking me on this one. Yeah. So, so you made that decision. Oh, well, I'm going to go with this coating because it maintained water beating long than the, longer than this other one. When the reality was both coatings could have been equal durability in terms of water beating, but one car, the other car, simply got something else thrown on it that changed the surface tension of the car. And th- and it was simple as that. So you guys are kind of, I'm, I'm, th- I'm th- trying to think outside the box. You guys are basically struggling with what's the right way to go within the U.S., I- I'm guessing now, because I, I can see that there's massive confusion. People want one thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for them. Yeah, we're, t- we're trying, we're doing our focus groups. We're trying to figure out what is the real perceived value uh, by the you know average majority of the consumer base. Because, uh, and I'll take it from a different angle, Larry. If you and I sat down over coffee and and you and I were tasked with creating uh, the physical properties of the ultimate uh, the best coating in the world. So you and I were, you know, sitting down on paper, creating what would be the best coating in the world. You and I, as detailers, would come up with a coating that may or may not hit the mark for the average consumer. You know what I'm saying? Because I, mm, yeah, to be honest with you, I wouldn't create a coating that had crazy water beating. I, I simply wouldn't. <laughs> so. But so yeah, it's that if, tension between market what what it's the tension between what are people going to buy versus what's the best for their car, and then the cost of that is, yeah. are you educating the customer or are you not? Right. And it, it, you know, and it, it, I actually have great respect for you guys and McGuire's specifically for struggling with that because I feel like that's sort of what I'm trying to aspire to and, and and give the real information whether it's good or bad. Meaning, I promote other products. I say I just I want to help. And if some of my, my products can do that, great. If, if, if Meguiar's can do that, awesome. If Adams can do that, great. And I feel like you guys are struggling with uh, answering the right – you're trying to do the right thing, and you're figuring out how to yeah. how to do that. And I think that's uh, – wow. Well, thank you for that's, saying that because um, we, you know, we, we get criticized for not having a coding in, in North America. And um, you're absolutely right. We're, we're internally struggling with what is the right thing to do. Um, and if, if, if a consumer base, if what they're asking for is crazy water beating, well, we already have that. We have durable water beating products that can last for months on the car. So if that's all they want, we're already delivering that, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a struggle. And I do believe that, uh, eventually we will. Uh, get into this game and we will have a paint coating. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen, you know, this year, next year and five years, but 
I do believe we're heading in that direction and we'll do one, but you're absolutely right. We're kind of struggling with, okay, which direction do we go with the formula? What's exciting is when you guys do come out with one, you will have come out with one that is appropriate. And that that word appropriate is a very broad term, you know, what's appropriate, but yes. Wow. I appreciate you sharing all that. That's, uh, I'm not even actually talking like I'm on a podcast right now. I'm actually just like, wow, that's a lot of information. This is this is really exciting. All right, I have to make the transition uh, and put you uh, put your feet to the fire again. Every time uh, we close the or you know round third on the podcast, I answer some questions from Facebook fans and uh, you know try to get them involved in, in the thing. So forgive me here. I'm going to read a question and I'd love to hear your your answer. And it's and one of it's right in your wheelhouse here. So. This is uh, Mr. Kowalski. Um, I'm saying Mr. because I can't pronounce his first name. He's from Russia. <laughs> um, it says, hi, I accidentally found your movies um, on YouTube and decided to write you. First of all, greetings. Oh, uh, he's from Poland. It's great that you've decided to share your knowledge with those less experienced, including myself, on YouTube. Uh, smiley face. I watched your video about microfiber pads and got a little excited about the product. It seems that there are pads much more, uh, much, he's struggling with English, much better and safer uh, to use than wool pads or foam pads. These pads are are these pads something new? Uh, and they seem to be new in Pol- in Poland. So there are many questions I have about using them. Uh, can I use them with an ordinary rotary polisher machine or a dual action polisher? Is there a difference? Uh, are there better ones? How many pads should I uh, use to correct the paint a medium uh, of a medium sized car? So that's that's the first question. Yeah. Uh, and the second and the second question is, um, and I'll I'll paraphrase this. He's asking about steam machines and steam machines specifically for the exterior of the car. And I have multiple videos on that and uh, strong feelings about that as well. Um, so he, he's asking those two questions. So the first one, um, can you give me a sort of brief background as to the microfiber cutting pad? And then his question, of course, is, and I think I know the answer, was it specifically designed to be used on a rotary uh, or what was the process? What was the thought process as you guys developed that? Yeah. Um, great question. And uh, um, we get this a lot. So I applaud uh, this gentleman from Poland uh, because uh, microfiber discs are, are relatively new in, in the whole, you know, paint care, uh, defect removal, paint correction, you know, world. Um, so for, for decades, there have been, uh, it started out many, many years ago with wool pads as being the, the normal standard buffing pad used for paint correction um, so cutting or leveling like yeah. wool equals cutting yeah yeah and then and then uh, foam pads were developed and that became and is a a very big category uh or subcategory of buffing pads so for many years there's been wool pads and foam pads and variations uh within those and then microfiber just came out relatively uh, recently in the aftermarket um although the, it has the technologies existed for many years, and uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Claude Sauvignier from uh, Canada, is credited uh, as the inventor of the uh, microfiber disc, and it originated at the car factories. So Claude's job was to help car factories with their paint process and to re- remove defects online you know, in the car factories. So that is... Do you think it had uh, anything to do with the fact that they were freshly painted? Was that a... Well... I was thinking out loud. Yeah. Like, was it super soft and he couldn't use a wool pad? I'm just thinking like, hey, okay, because I'm learning this as you're saying it. So if he's in the the car factories and the car just pops out kind of thing, recent paint, fresh paint, soft paint, whatever you want to say, if I'm thinking in my mind, hey, hey, you put a wool pad on there, Whole, you know, meaning the past. He's like, I got to come up with something different. Is that is that sort yeah, of the story? No, you're you're exactly right. So the car factory struggled online uh, with fresh paint, and they have a defect they got to remove. Uh, they hit it with a wool pad, and the wool pad is immediately too aggressive. Uh, of course. Yeah. So it 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 pulls out a defect quickly, which is what they wanted, but it left defects behind. This is what what's called uh, destructive paint repair. <laughs> yes. So, yes, that's a great word. I'm, yeah, I'm writing that down. Destructive paint re- repair, uh, and what it means is that you're putting in a defect as you're taking one out, um, and that that destructive paint repair tends to be the common thing with a wool pad. It, it happens to happen all the time. So I, I consider it like a bomb. Like you set off a bomb, and you're trying to just do one thing, and you end up 
like hurting everything else around it, but you've accomplished that one goal, but you didn't realize that you have to clean up all the rest of the stuff around it. Yeah. That's why it's kind of like a, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So then, the, so they transitioned at the car factory level. I don't know how much detail you want to get into this question, but I, I can go as deep as you want to go, Larry. <laughs> no, no, just keep going. I, I keep pulling. It's my fault. I keep pulling us off because I'm more excited about, so we're way over, we're way over the time, but this is going to be, this is just <laughs> a plethora of information. So keep going. So the, the car factories transitioned to foam. Uh, for removing defects um, that didn't have some of the baggage, baggage and the risk that wool pads had, but it, um, you know, had other other issues and other problems with foam pads. So the issues they had with foam pads is their defect removal was a little slower, mm-hmm. um, but then they they would heat up these foam pads and. Um, uh, the foam pad would like basically get too soft. Yeah, sort of disintegrate. Yeah. So the uh, the guy on the line removing the de- these defects as the car goes down the assembly line, um, they would uh, hit the spot with his foam pad and a small tool, high-powered tool. They would remove the defect, but then the, the second, the third, and the fourth defect that they went after, the pad had softened, and now wow. it required more time uh, to remove that defect, or they had to keep switching out foam pads. Mm-hmm. So Claude uh, was trying to solve this problem for them, and was thinking, you know, of all these different alternative uh, materials. And um, you know, at that time, the and I'm going back like 15, 20 years ago, um, microfiber towels. Uh, had hit the scene and all the benefits associated with those. So he began thinking, I wonder if microfiber would help us in this situation. And um, he fabricated some prototypes and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. So it solved their problem. It was a way of quickly, and actually, if you, if you can think of it in the most rudimentary terms, it is a blend of the benefits of wool and foam um, without a lot of the baggage of wool and foam. Mm-hmm. So uh, it gets defect removal quick, and it leaves a great finish, and the material does not degrade in the process. So mic- microfiber, which is you know uh, a, c- a combination of two materials that that are very, very durable relative to you know natural wool and, and uh, foam, so the fiber uh, or the filament that we call uh, microfibers is super durable relative to those other materials. And uh, so getting back to uh, this gentleman's question, the is it for rotary? Well, the McGuire stance on microfiber discs is that it's not for rotary. Uh, there are competitive microfiber discs on the market that do support a rotary application. Um, so it makes it a little confusing of an answer for this gentleman, but sure. um, our stance is that it's not for rotary and, and for very, very good reason. And that is that the filament itself is considered an aggressive filament. Uh, it's a very durable, uh, very, very tiny, tiny, small filament. Uh, but when you put it on a rotary application and without getting, you know, actually, Larry, this is a, another podcast topic that we can actually go in depth. The different- I, I, I know I'm going to get emails saying, oh, my God, have him <laughs> back and have them explain that. So, yeah, so go the, as far as you'd like to, but we can certainly have another one. The differences between rotary and DA, we could we could spend two hours on. But without going into that, um, if you put microfiber disc on a rotary uh, the resultant um, swirl mark that you get on most pen- yes. paints w- will actually be more aggressive than the swirl mark you would have gotten with a wool pad. So what happens when you put microfiber disc on a rotary is you lose one of the major benefits of a microfiber disc, which is its finishing ability. I'm jumping up and down right now behind the <laughs> podcast. And I'm saying that's the beauty of the of the microfiber cutting pad. Yeah. That's the beauty of it is that you can do it on a dual action. And I said that in one of my drive clean videos. I was like, this is what's changed the industry. Yeah, you, you don't need to put it on a rotary. You've taken that. You've taken that. Uh, what was the word that you just used? That destructive paint repair uh, yeah. issue kind of thing. You've taken that out. Yeah, it's like I mean, I mean, this is 
Yeah, I get really get excited this. about these things. That's huge. You get the cut, you get the defect removal, but the other benefit uh, is that you get the finishing ability where you're not, you know, putting in a, another defect while you're taking one out. So we uh, we totally support the DA application on the microfiber disc, and we do not support the idea of putting it on a rotary. So that does that answer the, this guy's question? It totally answers his question. And from, from my perspective, so a non- you know, Maguire's sort of thing. Uh, hey, listen to what I'm saying right now, guys. Don't put it on. Um, I, I don't put it on a rotary because to me, it seems like you're just defeating the purpose and the beauty and the joy and the the fact that things can go way faster, uh, have a much better finish. Uh, you're you're sort of defeating all, all that. And it just seems silly. But I'm not I'm not downplaying the use of a rotary. I think rotary has its uh, time and place. But it's you're putting the I think personally, this is my opinion. You're putting the wrong things together if you use a rotary and specifically a, a Meguiar's microfiber cutting pad. That is, that is just what I say everywhere. That's just coming from me, not necessarily Meguiar's. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And if if I may, I know we're running over, but if I may add, you know, another few seconds sure. of explanation. So um, rotary versus foam versus microfiber. Um, the analogies I use here, if you get down to the microscopic level, what you're actually doing on paint, a wool pad is a very fat, irregular uh, fiber. And when you combine it with a compound that has an abrasive medium in it, it becomes what I can describe as a scraper. So it's it's this fiber being whipped around on the paint, and it's basically scraping uh, imperfections uh, off off the paint surface, and then foam, uh, same compound, same abrasive mm -hmm. medium. You can think of it as more like a squeegee, where you're trapping the abrasive kind of in a little cup in a little cell, and then the walls of that cell are going around, and you're functioning like a squeegee, where you're just moving your abrasive medium around on the surface, and mm -hmm. and the abrasive medium, the compound is actually you know, moving in and out of the cells, uh, flowing through the foam. So microfiber, what microfiber does uh, with particulate and oils and fluids is it grabs and holds. At, at, the, at the microscopic filament level, it grabs and holds. That's what it does best. Uh, so when you lubricate this filament with a compound that has an abrasive medium, what it does is immediately grabs and holds that abrasive medium onto the filament. So now you have this filament that's um, being applied to the paint surface, moving around, and it's the entire filament is coated with this compound, and it stays and hangs on there. So in terms of efficient use of a of a abrasive medium, this is the most efficient use of it because a wool pad spinning around on a rotary most of your medium is flying off the pad true you know after it does its scraping it then becomes a particle that gets thrown around everywhere else and foam you rub it around on the car and it uh, breaks down and does its thing and then it becomes spent abrasive you know also floating around in the foam and on the car but with with microfiber, it actually holds and doesn't move anywhere. It's it stays on to the microfiber filament, and it will continue to cut. You know, I guess this is where you get really technical because it depends on the type of abrasive you're talking about. But it will continue to cut as long as you're moving your pad and your tool around on the paint. Um, but at the same time, because it's such a small filament. Uh, you are also doing incredible finishing ability. You're refining the paint as you're removing defects. So you're talking about diminishing abrasive, like uh, you know, aluminum oxide kind of thing, versus a steady non non uh, non diminishing. Non and actually, uh, what what functions the best? And this this could be a whole other uh, podcast topic. But what, <laughs> what functions the best is uh, for microfiber disc is actually the um, super micro abrasive technology we develop, which is very, very tiny, very dense, uh, uh, non-diminishing abrasive. That's what actually works the best with microfiber. No uh, kidding. Yeah. One of the other things that I see 
that I, you tell me if I'm, I'm making this analogy wrong because you're the expert on this, but if you take a, a scratch and you look at it under a microscope, let's say, and it looks like, like you're holding up your fingers in a peace sign, you know, like a scratch, like a big V, right? When the microfiber comes across of it, across that scratch, I'm talking microscope, you know, you're looking under it, so you visualize it big. So as the microfiber uh, fibers themselves, it seems like the fibers go within the actual V or the scratch and sort of bevel down the edges uh, as it's leveling the paint yeah. as opposed to scraping uh, above it. I'm not sure. Is that really happening or is that just my well, mind going no, to Well, no, yeah, you're right on. And, and at, at that microscopic level, see what uh, non-diminishing abrasives like super micro abrasive technology does is you can think of it as really super, super, super tiny. Uh, it's actually nano size, um, which is a word that McGuire's doesn't use because it's, it's a generic term that nano just means very small. Same with polymer. That's my favorite. Polymer is <laughs> yeah. actually a generic chemistry term that my wife rolls her eyes because she has a PhD in chemistry. She's like, what is poly polymer? Oh, is yeah. just multiple monomers. I don't understand, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it could, <laughs> Anyways, be, you know, it could mean a million different things. But... True. So, um, very small, tiny, hard, uh, and lots of them. So how this works is at the microscopic level, it uh, attacks and begins creating a friction point at the rough roughness of the surface. So where you have peaks and valleys on the paint surface, all those peaks, that's where the uh, non-diminishing abrasive begins to start working at. And it will, when the microfiber filament comes around, it starts, uh, like you described, it starts hitting against those peaks and the rough parts and begins smoothing them over with like a gazillion little tiny marbles hitting it. Um, and the, the amazing thing, and this is where the finishing kicks in, is once it has smoothed over and leveled those peaks, it begins to stop leveling. So uh, it's it's almost like it's a great technology because it's got an engineered built-in uh, switch. Like fail-safe yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. So it's like, okay, attack the peaks, level them, and then stop. You know? Yeah, because that's <laughs> what I say when I'm, when I'm talking to people. Hey, when you, when you get to that super high level of expert detailing kind of thing and you're doing a $40 million car, I say the customer is paying you to not remove the clear coat and to not level it. You're, you're, you're trying to level it the minimum amount that's necessary to reduce that scratch, assuming you're doing a hundred percent or 99% detail. So when you have a, a tool or a product that helps you, um, you know, the only analogy I can put is, you know, in the, the doctors, you know, this is horrible, but they cut your clothes off kind of thing in an emergency room. You ever see those scissors that have the safety thing on the front of them so they can just slide it across your skin and cut the shirt off? I know yeah. that sounds horrible, yeah. but it seems like that to me. It's like a safety yeah. kind of idea where you only want to, you only want to you know, cut as much as necessary, but you don't want to cut the good things, meaning you need as much clear coat as possible. Absolutely. And, you know, like, like cartilage in your knee, you only have so much of it, and when it's gone – it's sort of gone. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Um, so that's taking care of that is good. That's the incredible benefit of the microfiber disc, um, especially DA applied, is that you you attack the roughness of the surface and then and then you stop and refine the surface, and you can continue, you know, to make passes over that spot, but it its defect removal speed will slow down dramatically and actually go into a preservation mode where you're you're trying to leave as much paint on the car as possible. That, that's yeah. it. I mean, I, my, my last sort of thought about this is what this pad has done and why I get so passionate about discussing it is it's taken uh, more so for you but and, and myself, my 15, 20 years, whatever it is worth of using rotary pads when I first started, and I'm sure to, to the extent you as well, it's taken that uh, learning curve and sort of taken out all the bad things or whatever you want to call it, the, the things that we had to learn and, and perfect and sort of made them much easier to do, better result, and uh, less risk, right. uh, meaning yeah. insurance-wise. And it, it's like, it, I mean, it was such a grand slam home run that I, I was almost flabbergasted that I was some, at one point I was actually annoyed because it was so good that I, I learned, it took me 10 years to learn how to use a rotary the right way without making a mistake that... Uh, you know, I like that, that I was in that elite club, 
but now this is so good that you can't not use it. I don't know how to say that the right <laughs> way, but it's like you'd be crazy not to use it. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push quickly through the last one, and then we'll do our plugs and, and hop out because this has been amazing. You've you've been great. I appreciate your time. Sure. The last question, and I'll morph it a little bit. The steam machine. Um, I have strong feelings on the steam machine. I think it's great. Uh, I think it serves a purpose. Not it's not an all in one. Uh, but his question specifically is, hey. Uh, and it's a loaded question because there's lots of variables and factors that are not um, stated. But uh, would do you use a steam machine on the outside of a car? What, what's your well? Sort of this uh, this approach is actually um, fairly popular in Asia. So uh, there there are machines that are manufactured and sold for the purpose of uh, washing you know exterior cars, and then there are separate machines that are made you know to use on the interior. Um, but there are, you know, these larger units that, you know, are specifically designed to, to steam clean cars. Well, I'll give you the pros and the cons. Now, steam is a natural emulsifier. Uh, so on the surface of it, um, the theory is that, yeah, when there's dirt on a car, you want to emulsify it, loosen it up, pull it away from the surface so that you can uh, either wipe or rinse it away. So... On the surface of it, it seems like a good idea, um, but there's some things that kind of uh, make it, I would say, not as great of an idea. And yes. it, 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 one of the one of the reasons that it's not a great idea is that that uh, temperature needed to make steam, um, which, by the way, the temperature created to make steam is kind of a flashpoint that. Uh, with these machines that clean cars, uh, it does heat up, makes a steam, but it also rapidly cools. Yeah, uh, you can put so your you hand actually, in front of it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, are we generating surface temps that are damaging cars? I would say no. But um, with improper use, because the distance between the wand and the surface uh, makes a big difference with these things. And if they're improperly used... Uh, and you get that steam and that temperature and that wand too close to the surface, then you begin applying some temperatures that are um, impacting polish and wax. So you can actually remove polish and wax with a steam process. Of course, absolutely. And and that's the part of it I don't like because as a detailer, we want you know to obviously we want to maintain polish and wax on a car. Um, the other thing is that. Uh, the equipment is expensive. So we've already gone over the reality of car washing that it's not very profitable. Uh, and then when you throw in... This is a great point. This is a great point. Sorry, continue. When you, when you throw in the very expensive machine, you make an already not very profitable situation, you know, even less profitable. Um, and I'm, I don't mean to bag those companies that might be listening that actually make make these machines because there is a place and they are they are used in in Asia on a regular basis. So uh, it's obviously working for some people. Um, but I would say that those those are my pros and cons right there. I think. Uh, oh, I have another one, another negative kind of thing. Um, to to do it properly, you need a lot of towels. Uh, oh my gosh, lots and lots of towels. Because if you use, in theory, you should be using one wipe per side of the towel. So if you have a big towel and you fold it into fours, that should be eight sides, yeah. and that's eight wipes. And I think you're you're so on. It's it's, it's so fun to yeah. talk to you. That the the thing that I find is, in theory, uh, if all things being equal and you use it perfectly. I still don't think it's the best way. I think uh, adding lots of uh, water or lubrication is a much better way of removing the contaminants from the surface of the paint once they're lifted from the surface. Um, but all things being equal and you didn't have water and you didn't have this, it, it could potentially work. I think what the issue is, is what you're talking about, is that if you fall out of one of these particular steps, meaning how far and close the, the wand is, if you don't actually use one swipe, which is kind of an unrealistic and mind-numbing way of washing a car. Yeah you're going to run into some issues. And I think that's where it happens. So it's, it's almost like the coating thing. It's almost like the microphone. If you use it exactly the way that it was designed to be used, you're probably going to be okay. But in real life, yeah, it doesn't really like that. Just 
It's just life. It doesn't really work that way. You have a whole stack of towels because you're right. Every because um, steam, although it emulsifies in the steam state, once it's on, once the dirt is on the towel, it is not lubricated, and Mm -mm. it will become a dry particle. Sandpaper. Yeah, become sandpaper is what it basically. You boil it down as sandpaper. That's right. So, I mean, in order to prevent uh, re-scratching. Uh, and re-soiling the car, you just have to completely rotate through the towel, uh, switch towels, and 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 again, you're throwing money at a car washing process that's that that, that we've already determined not, is not profitable in the first place. Yeah, time. now you got to wash towels and da 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 da, and the time. It, so I don't know. I, I think I think we've made our point on that one. I think it's I think it has its purposes. I love it for the interior. I love it for certain things. Um, but specifically to answer his question, uh, I would I would run my numbers really hardcore if that's a, a decision that I, I, I chose yeah. to uh, yeah chose to go down. Anyways, uh, this has been absolutely amazing. I appreciate. I feel like we have maybe seventeen, maybe twenty more podcasts to go to cover all the rest <laughs> of the topics. But um, I am sure I'm going to get hit up on Facebook uh, and uh, in the Twitter world. Uh, but before we go, I always like to. Say, uh, I don't know if you have any plugs or anything that you want to talk about or websites or where to go or where to see you or any of that sort of nature. So uh, take it away if that's the case. Well, I do. I do have a Facebook page uh, that I'm, you know, um, quite active on um, unless I'm doing, you know, week long trainings and stuff. So um, you can catch me on Facebook. Um, McGuire's has our um, McGuire's online, which is you know, McGuire'sOnline.com. Mm-hmm. It's a great discussion forum for car care and and for detailers. Um, and other than that, I think that's how we engage people. Oh, perfect! Uh, I'm sure everyone has uh, has gained a whole lot of knowledge, and that's the whole point of these podcasts: is to just kind of pull the curtains down, kind of thing, and just like, hey, what's the truth? Where, where is it coming from? And I try to grab, uh, you know, really intelligent people, and you've certainly knocked it out of the park. So I appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to do my little plugs, and then we're out of here, of course. I want to thank uh, TST, the Smoking Tire, uh, Hooniverse, uh, for having me on their podcast last week, good friends. And, of course, ShoutEngine.com, which is where this podcast uh, exists. So if you're into podcasts, you want to do a podcast, or you want to learn more about it, uh, go to ShoutEngine.com and ask for Chris. He's the man. Uh, of course, my website, AmmoNYC.com, the Drive channel, uh, where we have our uh, YouTube videos and lots of educational sort of things. And of course, my YouTube channel, which is just AmmoNYC. The last couple ones are uh, Jalopnik. They're awesome. They uh, they post up these, especially this one, by the way, uh, Jason. This one's probably going to go crazy on Jalopnik just because it's so. Uh, this is this has been like a grand slam of a of a podcast. Um, <laughs> sorry, and, sorry, uh, for, we went went overtime. Not, oh, let me see. It, listen, listen. This is uh this is this is really really good. People should uh, be done with this and say, wow, I've I've come up a, a big learning curve here. Um, and of course, my alliance partners, uh, TRG Aston Martin Racing. Check them out. Uh, big racing uh, season. It's winding down, but uh, Ammo was on their car, and uh, we're wishing them luck. Lime Rock Race Park, and of course, my friends at Piston Heads in the UK uh, that love uh, listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, uh, thanks for uh, participating. Shoot me some uh, Facebook questions, and we'll try to answer them on the podcast. For uh, for me, again, I want to thank uh, Jason Rose from McGuire's coming on here and, and really just uh, just educating the heck out of us. So thank you again, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Larry.